0: You're listening to the Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Skyano. New Year, New Goals. Or as today's guest refers to it as, Jan 1st is the Beyonce of fresh starts. With our refreshed vibe, let's set some goals. I know I personally am. You know, we're talking about goals today and in ways that you have never heard before. My guest is Abby Schiller, a professional goal coach author, and motivational speaker whose focus is helping women transform their lives to find more presence, meaning, pleasure, and purpose. She is the creator of Visioning, a revolutionary course that helps people take an honest look at the results in their lives and decide what and how they want to change. So through this course, she has taught hundreds of people the science-backed tools to shift mindset, change sabotaging habits, use time differently, overcome obstacles, and find focus. And we're talking about all of this today. Abby is also the CEO and founder of The Mother Company, an Emmy-winning family media production company and where she has co-authored 12 children's books and has new shows in line for production. She's got a zen LA feel to her and also gets it done. Today we are talking kind goals, ones that don't hardcore bro you over. You know, why we need goals, what makes you successful when it comes to your goals, what do you need to be aware of on your goal journey, and why shifting our concept of failure when it comes to goal outcomes is huge. One part of our conversation that really stuck with me was when Abby said, the way we spend our time is like how we achieve our lives. I'm going to say that again. The way we spend our time is like how we achieve our lives. This is such an incredible concept. It's simple yet profound. If you aren't making time in your week, day, or hours for your goals, you're not going to be living your dream life. And we really get granular about how to make that time. We also talk about unconventional goals. There are all these ways to enrich your life that have space and fun to them. And within these, you still learn the arc of goal achievement, which is something that gives you that dopamine hit and is so gratifying. So this year, break from the high-pressure way that you have done goals in the past and embrace what's possible for your life by goal-setting in a new way. The long game is kind goal-setting with Abby Schiller. in a world where everyone is doing. It's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. It takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker bringing you real-world business-building experiences, conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. It is a great time to be talking about goals. New year, a refreshed vibe to set goals. My guest today tells me that 93% of people fail within 30 days of setting their goals. This is astounding, but totally believable when I see what my gym looks like come February 1st. So we are talking about goals today in a way you haven't heard before, with Abby Schiller, a goal coach, author, and motivational speaker whose focus is helping women transform their lives to find more presence, meaning, pleasure, and purpose. She is the creator of Visioning, a revolutionary course that helps people take an honest look at the results in their lives and decide what and how they want to change. So she has spent a lot of time working with people and their goals, and she is the perfect person for us to be talking to today so that we can set our own goals and be successful. Welcome, Abby. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, goals. I mean, this is the time, right? Like setting goals, making sure they stick. Like, obviously,
1: I said that stat, people fail. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? And here's the thing that I want to offer as a little bit of comfort. First of all, a lot of people see fresh starts. There's a lot of research that supports why January 1st, why the new year is the season of goal setting. And that's because we as a human population tend to flock towards what is socially considered as a fresh start. So the beginning of a new year is the Beyonce of fresh starts. Like there's no bigger fresh start than January 1st. But I want to just point out that fresh starts can mean absolutely anything at any time. So a lot of research supports that just starting on the first of the month is considered a fresh start or a Monday or your birthday or the spring or summer solstice. You get to decide when you're ready for a fresh start. There's also been a lot of talk about transforming seasonally. So a lot of people, I've seen a lot of memes this season being like, I'm not doing anything. Follow the lead of nature. Everything's dormant right now. I'm starting (laughs) in the spring. I've seen that as well, right? Yeah. But I do want to point out that the blossoms in the spring come from the seeds and the fertilization and the thinking and the planning of the winter. They don't just suddenly burst onto the scene. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that happens to create the result of a blossom in the spring. So that's why I lead my courses in January. I have our bu- our busiest time is this time of year, and I really am on a mission to help people learn how to set kind goals that they want to stick to so that you're not part of the
0: 93%. And I love that you said that, the. Two things, you know, number one, that point about you can do this anytime, because once you work with you and learn the approach, you can do that at any point. Now is a good time. And I believe too, that you do have to nurture things along the way, right? Nothing just, you know, that's the whole idea of the long game, right? Like it takes time to build and to grow and things need to germinate. Using yes. the seed analogy again.
1: Little actions consistently over time create enormous change. Little tweaks in our thinking, little tweaks in our action, taking tiny, brave new steps are all the things that accumulate into a transformed life. Love that.
0: All right. So success and failure, right? Let's talk yeah. about some of the ways that you can approach goal setting so that you are successful or it's leading you to further down the road. Obviously it's not happening right away, right? Things are taking.
1: Yeah. I think that people have such an, and culturally too, in this country, at least in America, we have such an aversion to the concept of failure that I prefer to word it as success or winning and learning because all failure teaches us something. And that's really the, way to get to where we want to go. So we actually have to pass through kind of the darkness or pass through attempting and not hitting it or trying or thinking or active action to try to get our thing and not get our thing to understand what's not going to work for us to change our approach and try again.
0: And it is such a mindset shift because as you say that, I'm like, success, failure, they're opposites. Like we have been taught that since hot cold, right? Like, right. So it really is a shift in thinking to say, all right, I'm not going to throw it all
1: away because it didn't work out. I'm going to, or give up. Yeah. I mean, even work, like just give up. is just like the most, you're taking all of the data that is like rich information that you could be using towards working towards what you want. And most people just give up. I always like to tell my clients, water boils at 212 degrees. Most people, we're like, what degree are you giving up at? Oh,
0: <laughs> so good. You know, you always hear about that. It's that last turn around the corner where you're, you've reached your destination, so to yes. speak, but you didn't know because you gave up. At 210. turn the
1: corner type of thing. Or at 49. <laughs> yep. Totally. Who knows? Who knows? And there is there for a separate discussion, there is power in giving up there is power in letting go. But if you are setting a goal, and you have a solid why behind it, you want to be healthier, you want to be an example for your kids, you want to have a more meaningful relationship with your partner or with your friends or with your parents or whoever, or with yourself. Those are meaningful goals. If they're meaningful to you. And I think that it speaks to giving yourself permission to have a need and to work towards achieving that goal. Like it's just a very powerful thing. I like to think of goals as like the foundation of self-care. Like they are our most basic structure to help us understand what's possible for our lives, what we're capable of, what the world needs of us, what our legacy could be, what we're going to spend our time doing in this very short life of ours goals like i feel so sad when people i see it you know all the time in january they're like i'm not my goal is to eat more cheese yeah, or yeah, yeah. my goal is to not have goals this year or my goal and and look there are absolutely some people whose goals are to survive the year mm-hmm. but if that's your mentality if that's how you see where you are you're only going to survive that year because our thoughts create our results. So if you're thinking I have to survive this year, your brain is going to be looking for every example of hardship and chaos and overwhelm and thinking I'm going to survive this. It would be so much more empowering to think something like, and I'm making this up, but to think something like I'm going to learn how to thrive in these challenges, or I'm going to see what's possible for myself given the circumstances right now. Or I'm going to make, I'm going to find the silver lining in every one of these dark clouds. Like those are so much more empowering, right? They feel differently energetically. Yeah. And do you find that
0: I'm thinking that people sometimes don't recognize that there will be challenges on the road and that's why they give up. Like, I feel like, okay, we know that it's not going to be all rainbows all the time. On the the path to our goal, right? So even going into yeah. it that with that mindset builds resilience inside of you. Like, okay, 100%. I can handle this one step that isn't going the way I want it to. Or,
1: I like to advise people to anticipate the obstacles and anticipate adversity and have a plan for what will happen when your brain, usually the obstacles are all in our brain, by the way. There's a really wonderful researcher out of UCLA named Gabrielle Otegian. And she created a tool that I use in my coaching called WOOP, W-O-O-P, which stands for you want to wish for what you want. You want to imagine the outcome. That's the O. So wish is W-O is outcome. The second O is obstacle. Anticipate all the obstacles. And the P stands for plan. What's your plan for all the obstacles? And she says most obstacles are within our own brains. So it's your fear, it's your fear of failure, your shame, your discomfort, when things get harder, your expectation that things should be easy and just come to you, your exhaustion, your whatever it is. And oftentimes it's just our sentences and our brain, our thoughts that stop us. I had a client yesterday that I was coaching whose dream is to start a podcast and her, she decided for the following week as her own homework to outline 10 episodes and she texted me two days in and she's like, I started out so excited. And then I got one episode into the outline and I started thinking, this is so stupid. Nobody's going to want to watch this. And I'm like, that's your brain telling you that you want, that you're you're scared. This is normal. This is the admission price to getting yeah. the, the dream. And she's like, I don't know how to get over that. I'm like, you just get over it. Like you keep going. You change your thought." you have, and that's what coaching is. We work with people to change their thoughts so that they can achieve their goals.
0: You mentioned when you first started, uh, the conversation about kind goals, I'm doing air quotes, everyone. So talk to me about what kind goals are and how they're different from just the bulldozer goals that we all come to New Year with or, or come into our lives with.
1: I believe that there's so much kind of like hardcore bro culture in wellness and self improvement. And I am on a mission to bring the feminine power back in. And so kind goals are a more feminine approach to goal setting, in my opinion. And there's a lot of research behind them that prove that they're really effective. So for instance, we generally Without training, set really bossy or mean goals. We think that we have to kind of like white knuckle our way through, and like go to the gym every day, or like you know, like it's just a, bro, it's like so masculine. Make a million
0: dollars, everything a million so
1: dollars emphasized or you know blown <laughs> up in your goals. Yeah, kind goals are they have a bunch of components to them, and here's where they kind of are different. So if, you're, if your goal is to get healthier, for instance, first of all, that's like a really vague goal. You want to be a little bit more specific. <laughs> Maybe you want to move your body more joyfully. Maybe you want to drink more water. Maybe, but And here's the thing. Most people, when they cycle, they'll be like, five days a week, 50 minutes a day, no breaks, right? Like, that's a mean, bossy goal. Yeah, high and high hard. Version. Like You only have so much stamina to for keep f- that up. And this is where that statistic, the 93% of people who fail, it comes from people who set really jerky goals with themselves that are unrealistic, that don't even really speak to who they want to become, that are very kind of like vague and mean, and nobody wants to take action on those goals. I think those kinds of goals give goals a really bad rap.
0: Well, I think when you're not as specific about your goals... You almost don't know what action to take That's well, right. because it's like, I want to get
1: healthier. Well, okay. I'm going to do everything at the same time <laughs> right.
0: rather than right. just.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And the other thing is we often kind of like burst out like confetti, like we're all over the place everywhere intensely and it's very unfocused and it's very kind of like willy nilly and there's no tracking or accountability or thought behind the approach. Mm-hmm. Accountability. Ugh. Right. So kind goals are, you want to set a range. So you want to set yourself up for success, basically. If you want to exercise more then let's say you want to exercise two to five times a week. You're going to win it. You're going to nail it if you do two. You're going to really nail it if you do five. You're pretty much not going to fail at that. Then I want you to define what exercise means to you. What is the minimal acceptable effort of exercise? Because if you have COVID, And your goal is to exercise two to five times a week. And you've been in bed for four days and you still want to make that goal. What is it? Can you take a 10 minute walk and count that as exercise? Maybe if you've defined that, yes, I want you to define what the minimal acceptable effort is. I also like it when people define what reasons they have ahead of time for quitting.
0: Mm, It's like your
1: why for quitting. Yes. Why? What would be acceptable for you to quit and write it down and outline it? Because when we are in a goal and it is challenging and our brains are filled with self-doubt, which by the way is a good sign. Self-doubt is directly connected to growth. But when our brains are connected to self-doubt and we haven't gotten coaching and don't know that, (laughs) then quitting is not necessarily acceptable if you've already said, I'm not going to quit when it gets hard. But if you say, I'll quit if there's a catastrophe, I'll quit if after a month, this isn't working. I'll quit if I've tried this many times and I think I need to pivot my strategy. Like That's a smart way to approach a goal. Another way of having a kind goal is to have a plan B. So mm, I
0: like that. We can't yeah, all exercise. Yeah, How do you know are... when you're embarking on something new? Like I'm not down right. with this.
1: <laughs> right. So a plan B would look like if taking the, you know, exercise uh, thing, let's say you want to get up a little 15 minutes early, two to five times a week and exercise minimum 10 minutes, maximum 40 minutes, right? That's your kind goal. Having a plan B might look like, okay, I didn't make it up this morning, but I can't go to bed before I get that in. So my plan B would be to do it after work. There's so much research that shows that people who approach their goals with plan Bs and have flexibility are mentally better off and stick their goals like exponentially more. So those are some ideas behind what a kind goal looks like. I also think kind goals are... Goals that are fun for you and that are meaningful and that are very directly connected to who you are and your values—like they don't have to be so hardcore. You, I had a goal one year to declutter fiercely. <laughs> That's how I worded it. I and for me, goal. I defined the steps of just every Sunday night. I had an alarm that would go off at 5 p.m., and I would just take 15 minutes and declutter something fiercely. So I had, you know, the system set up in my house to donate, you know, recycle, sell, whatever. Yeah. And I just would take a drawer or take a little corner or to, and by the end of the year, my house was totally organized, but it doesn't have to be like crazy over the top. And I think what you
0: talk about with accountability, I want to go back to that because I think that is so important in any journey that you're taking, especially when you're embarking on something new and there's a goal tied to it. So figuring out a way, you know, that is kindness, is to get support. Yes. In what you're doing.
1: Again, the research shows that people will be more successful if they are accountable to themselves and to a community or to a group or to a friend. So as an example, and I always like to give examples of me walking the walk because they're like, why are you qualified to be a goal coach? I'm a queen at goals. <laughs> this is, I walk the walk. So last year, I decided to give up flour, all forms of flour and sh- any kind of sugar. And the way I did it was to enlist a friend who had already done that. So I could text her, especially during the first two weeks and be like, I'm going mad. Like, how do you even drink your coffee? And then I tracked it. So I had on my refrigerator for every meal I would give myself, I could draw a little star so I could see, like, we want to have little hits of dopamine for doing our goals. Like not at the end of the goal, but as we're doing them, we want it to feel good. We want evidence that this is working. So having a visual tracker on my fridge for that particular goal was really powerful then I came up with a statement that I really identified with. When you identify with your goal, you you achieve it more. So it's not that you want to go running. It's that you are a runner. You become. You become what you say you are, right? You identify with the goal. So for me, and this works with a negative sentence too, and I learned this from the Queen Marie Forleo, which is she said she, her life was filled with overwhelm. And one day she woke up and just decided she doesn't do overwhelm. So just to say, I don't do overwhelm changes the way your brain approaches issues. So for me, I just said, I don't do sugar. If it's not an option, it's not a problem. And those sentences for me, I wrote down on my refrigerator. I don't do sugar. And then I had to keep a list of all the things I do do. So I stocked my fridge with dates and fruit and other things that could kind of get me through the detox period. The last thing that I did that was really important and I highly recommend is I gave myself a limited amount of time to achieve the goal. I started with 30 days as a cleanse. And that's, there's a lot of research about keeping things to 30 days if you're compulsive about it. And then you can reevaluate. I was definitely compulsive about my sugar and flour, especially after the holidays last year. So 30 days.
0: Yeah, you almost have to be on something, like a goal like that, I feel like,
1: because it's so connected to you in a way that you need that cold. There's a biological element when you detox from anything, right? So I literally went through withdrawal from sugar and flour, and I decided to learn how to move through urges, which is kind of the secret weapon to any goal achievement. When you can acclimate or become comfortable with any form of discomfort, whether it's a biological craving for like sugar after lunch, which was so intense for me, or you can move through the discomfort of sitting and making an outline for your podcasts when you don't know what your podcast structure even is yet. The discomfort that we can kind of observe in our body, right? Like feelings are just vibrations, So we're just going to observe and feel instead of running away buffering numbing distracting netflixing shopping snacking drinking whatever right over busying ourselves scrolling we just have to observe and feel observe and feel and that skill alone game changer for anyone if you can practice feeling any emotion of discomfort and know that it's not going to kill you and learn from it and just be like, okay, I see you anxiety and we're going to keep going. Yep. You keep going there, You become unstoppable.
0: And you learn that most of those are temporary as well. You yes. move through it into a more comfortable
1: place. So yes, the I'm- irony is that we spend so much time years of distracting from our numbing or avoiding the feelings. But if you just actually sit with it, it's like 15 minutes tops. <laughs> Yeah. And then you're back on the other
0: side and moving through the world in a different way with a different outlook. And feeling a little bit more
1: powerful about it.
0: And that's one of those small steps too. That becomes a win, a star that you give yourself that you can- That's exactly right. A record that you're creating for
1: yourself. So that's right. If I were a journaling person, which I don't generally do, but if I were, I would write, I moved through 12 urges today on day three of my no sugar diet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a skill.
0: Yeah. And I love how you really can apply that to everything because it's so clear with the sugar example. It's such a great example, but it does like the podcast example. It can You know, we can have these times where we don't feel so creative. And it goes back to that idea of what is your obstacle?
1: What are you bumping up against? So all of it. When you can identify the obstacle and identify the thought about the obstacle, then like the whole world opens up. Because then you can brainstorm plans on how to solve for that obstacle. You can go into what's called a solution mindset. Instead of seeing it as a problem that's unstoppable or that's stopping you, you can become unstoppable and see all the solutions around it. Here's a sentence that I remind people all the time that is a problem, that is a, an obstacle. When people say, I don't know. When people say, I don't know, their brain is just like, huh, yeah, I don't know. That's it. Let's go home. <laughs> My husband. It sounds so this. true, right? I'm it's always so like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, Sandra, how are you gonna double your audience? This year? I don't know. Oh, let's go home. We're, we she doesn't know. Brain, let's yeah. let's we're calling it a day. Like, there's a, it's such a dead end thought. It does not create any growth our brains are so powerful. If we just like give them the direction, they will go to it. It, they, it will go to solve the problem. So instead of saying, I don't know, you could easily just say, I'm going to figure this out. Or what are all the ways I could figure this out? Or what are three ways that I could solve this? Like you could just, that is such a much more rich, powerful statement I don't know is like the junk food of our sentences.
0: Yeah. And saying that when you're talking about what you want, I feel like that is a disconnect. Like there's not yeah. a, a way to get there when you are answering, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's just an absolute dead end. You sit, sit down and give up. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about things being like these smaller steps, to goals. Do you also recommend, I mean, obviously if you're looking at the year and saying, oh, I have this larger goal and we all know breaking it down into steps. Are you also thinking in terms of 90 days or however long, like breaking the goal down, which I think is the smart thing, right? Cause it also becomes yeah. overwhelming. We talk about that, Yes,
1: but so uh, here's my calendar piece in. Yes. Yes. It's so important. First of all, the way we spend our time is like how we achieve our lives. Like that is our time. We never get it back. It's a resource. It comes and goes. And so many of us, like if every minute were a dollar, like imagine, would you really be scrolling for two hours a day? Oh my gosh. It's such a powerful, like that (laughs) is such a powerful, the way we spend our time is how we achieve our lives. So. Here's the important thing: like if you aren't making time in your week, day hour, whatever for your goals, you're not going to be living your your dream life. So what I do in the beginning of the year is I lead a course. I do this for myself as well. It's called I have a one day workshop, and then I have a three month course called visioning. In that one day workshop, we decide what we want I give permission to dream in five key categories. We brainstorm ideas, we hone through and see which ones we want to prioritize, which ones we want to kind of move to the back burner. Of those priorities, which ones are important for the first six months of the year? Mm. Of those first six months of the year, what does it look like for the next 90 days? I always live my year in quarters. So actually my visioning course is done in quarters. It's three months, then we do a check-in mid-year, then we do a check-in third quarter, and then we do a celebration at the end. So what's the next 90 days? And then it's what's the next 30 days? So if that's the next 30 days, what's the next seven days? And so every Sunday we meet, every Sunday evening we meet, we plan for the next seven days. We have accountability. We have a gorgeous community of people cheering everybody on. It's like a beautiful experience to be transforming your life through. And then I do a ton of coaching. So people don't always know the steps, right? They get really overwhelmed. Like I say, I call them goal roadmaps, what we do for the year. like You have to create a goal roadmap for yourself. You wouldn't start in Los Angeles and say, I'm going to drive to New York without GPS, right? You'd waste a ton of time and gas and energy. And that's what we do in our lives all the time. Yeah, someday I'm going to go take a girl's trip to, you know, New Mexico. Someday I'm going to visit the Taj Mahal. Someday I'm going to write a book. No, like, what are you doing this year? What are you doing the next six months? What is the next quarter? And what is the next month and week look like from that? We have to break it down into tiny little steps, but we know where the staircase is going to lead. So we know what the end of the staircase looks like, and we might not know the absolute next step, but there's no like, whatever feels the next right step. So for my client on the podcast, outlining 10 episodes felt overwhelming. She decided to narrow it down to three and she's sending me a thing by Sunday night.
0: And, you know, I think the whole concept of the community that you talk about, that you create in your course, that is so important because the people in your life in your life, or in our lives are not always on the path as well. Because as you're talking about this, my mind is going, we got to leave some people behind to achieve our goals, right? Like, and it goes that back I always, like my girlfriend and I always have the talk about the five people in your life, right? Like they're the people who influence yeah. you. And yeah. you know, that's kind of one of our things. And we've grasped to each other with that. Like we're always yeah. gonna motivate each other. And and I think that's so interesting because when you look at who's in your world, sometimes it's just parents you know or people in your community that are you're moving. And so you have to be with other people who are moving. That helps you as well. Yes.
1: I think that there's such enormous power of community and that kind of against the backdrop of the fact that we're experiencing a global pandemic of loneliness or an epidemic of loneliness because people are not in our villages anymore. We are parenting solo. We are completely alone. Many of us are working from home still. Like There's just a lot of aloneness. And so I love the community aspect of the visioning course because not only are people cheering each other on and being held accountable by the group and kind of the collective rise of all, but also they form WhatsApp groups afterwards and continue the work together after the course is done and continue to check in on each other. And it's gorgeous. Like that's such a gorgeous moment of humanity that I get to (laughs) be a part of.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it's so important as a member to know that's there for you and to help move you along because you may be in a marriage that your partner is fine doing what they're doing, right? And you have yes. other goals. Like, so you need, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, sometimes, and not saying you're leaving your marriage, but like, you have to leave the people who are content where they are to go do other things sometimes.
1: You're totally right. And one of the things that we do is always identify who is your support team and who do you need that's not on that team yet. Mm. So many women, especially just have the conditioning that we have to do it alone. We have to do it on our own. We put other people first. And then if we want to do any kind of goals for ourselves, we have to do it alone and quietly. And so that it doesn't inconvenience anyone. And no, like when we are achieving and full and shining. And I mean, I can't even think of the words like when we are at our best versions of ourselves, everybody else rises. And so I am like, absolutely passionate about helping women identify how they can be their own best support, how they can advocate for their needs, and who in their circle can help them rise as well. That
0: part really sticks with me. As I'm even going through my own Time frame right now of I'll tell you for me it's personally I've somehow and I've said this on the podcast but like I've talked about it at the end of the year of I've just gotten into I can be sucked into my phone and I'm like I don't want to do that I have to I say I'm putting it down or you have until it's ten minutes on the clock right you know yeah. I'm literally timing myself to be like go and do something else and it's funny because one of my goals. I have started to rearrange my life for Like I have to drive my daughter to practice. Well, I tell the other mom, I'll drive and pick them up because I'll sit in the car with my iPad and do what I need to do for an hour and 15 minutes rather than come home, dog yes. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I tell her. I think there's, a, there's a word for that. I've created it's, this environment now where I'm like, I have an hour and 15 minutes in the car, to yeah. do what I want and I'm doing this. It's being very
1: focused, right? That's called habit stacking. And it's a really powerful way to infuse great habits into your life that's already structured. So for instance, and this is talked about in Atomic Habits yeah. as well, so, which is like the Bible for right. <laughs> changing your habits. But one of the examples is if, you, you know, we all brush our teeth in the morning and in the evening, but if you were to do 10 squats while you're brushing your teeth, or if you were to take three deep breaths after you brush your teeth, as like a meditation practice, that's a habit stack. You are marrying something you want to do onto something you already do. So that's exactly what you've described.
0: Yeah. And it's helping me move along because I feel like if I didn't do that, I would drop the kids off. I'd come home, I'd get caught up in a whatever it is. And yes, it's like I'm forcing myself.
1: Here's another tip for you and for anybody else struggling with too much phone time arrange your phone to support the habits that you want. So for instance, I want to learn more. I want to, I have some design goals this year for my home. I have, so I have on my front page, my home page of my phone, I have audible. I have, in fact, let's take a look. I have audible. I have Pinterest for my design stuff. I have Ted talks. I have Podcasts, I have unplug meditation, which is my favorite meditation app. So I have stacked my home page to support my there's no social media on my first page. I make it really hard to like go to the very last page into a folder to go into my Instagram. So I do it very deliberately. So you want to add friction where you spend your time on your phone that you want to do less, and you want to create ease where on um, things that you want to do more. Maybe you want to learn a language that goes onto your homepage, right?
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm actually going to do that today because I need to get that stuff off because it is such a, you know, and it's funny because it is such a waste of time, but sometimes I'll say, oh, I find this gem that sparks an idea, but how much time do I go through it to spark that? And there's all these other things. You know, I was talking with some friends yesterday where I was saying, I want to use the tools that I have access to, I have so many tools. I have the podcasts and the Audible and the courses and the all of these things. Like that's where I need to start diving into and instead of scrolling.
1: Yes. I love the idea of just kind of like living smarter, not harder or working smarter and not harder because we have limited time and energy and resources in a day. And I think that again, this really... Envisioning we do a time audit, we we look to see where our time is being spent and how we can alter that to align with who we want to become.
0: And that leads me right into another point that you bring up, which is these unconventional goals as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I find that so interesting that it doesn't have to be concrete. And even though we've talked a lot about being specific.
1: Yeah try something new
0: one time per month, right? That could bring more joy into your life. And it's an unconventional goal, but it's not really defined.
1: Last year, my motto, and I ask everybody to choose a motto for the year, my ruling motto, my North Star for 2023 was random acts of fun. And I didn't define that in any way. It was just kind of my North Star. And so... I had one of the greatest years ever because of that motto. I consciously tried to infuse fun with my kids, with my husband, with my work, with my clients. I sent out Barbie, you know, heart-shaped glasses to everybody in my course. We all went on Zoom on them. Like we had a fun, like they're just everything. I had two karaoke parties. Like there, I went horseback riding. I learned pickleball. I never prioritized fun before, and I wanted to see what was possible and how it might change my life to really make that a priority for me. I deliberately did not define it and be specific about it in the beginning. But every month when I review my goals for the next 30 days, I had that kind of motto and I'd like, okay, how can I have some random acts of fun here? And so And it became a habit for me and it changed my life. Here are some other unconventional goals for people. I like to offer people to practice more curiosity over judgment. So, especially in this divided world, we are judging, deciding what other people are thinking, who they are, blah, blah, blah. Instead, let's get super curious. Why are they asking that? Why do they think that? How it, I wonder where they're coming from. Mm. It's just such a much kinder, gentler way to approach The world right now. Instead of hardcore exercise, one of the ones that I have is to move joyfully. Like that could be dancing in the kitchen, that could be skipping with your dog, (laughs) that could be pickleball, who knows? But like we don't have to make exercise awful. Mm -hmm. Like moving joyfully is so therapeutic and important, and we don't prioritize that as a goal itself. So that's an unconventional goal. One of the ones that I often tell my clients is to learn how to be still and listen within. So many of us are caught up in this world of hyper-achievement and busyness. And they're really just missing the experience of being themselves. They are completely detached from their bodies and their lives. It's
0: like so powerful when you say it, you're like, yes, yes.
1: Yes. I mean, I see this every day and I work with people every day on this. And so a beautiful, worthy goal for those people might be to learn how to be still and listen within. We have the power inside. We have to just listen. We have to eliminate the clutter and the noise and the busyness.
0: And that doesn't have to come with a harsh 15 minutes of meditation every morning where I'm, you know, it, it could be three breaths. Yeah. Yeah. I really am. I'm digging the unconventional. I think like we all should maybe, everyone listening, we need to challenge ourselves to have whatever regular goal you were coming to coming to the year with, and then something unconventional as well.
1: Yes. My favorite one, especially for everybody right now, <laughs> is to play more because we... In this culture of consumerism and capitalism, we have forgotten how to play. I think the statistics on children is that they laugh 400 times a day and adults are like 40 or I'm sorry, four. So it's like 400 to four. Like we don't laugh. We have a dearth of laughter and fun. And so playing, and it could be anything. It could be gardening. It could be singing. It could be a deck of cards. My husband and I played gin rummy (laughs) last night. Like it was really fun. We just played. And We don't prioritize that, but we should, because what is the point of achieving and living these hard, busy lives if we're not enjoying them? So play is something that doesn't have any consequences to it, that you do it just for the act of doing it.
0: You know, and now that we're talking about this, I remember a few years ago, I did a resolution or a goal of one new recipe a month. It was open-ended, Yeah. It wasn't hard. I was, you know, like, and it could be a dessert. It could be an appetizer. Yeah. And it was fun to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to find something, buy the ingredients, you know. And that's also a joyful thing. It was a joyful act that didn't have pressure, you know, like, and conversely, another year we ordered one of those meal kits? plan boxes that come. Yeah. And we were like, we got to cook. We got to go. Like it became, we stopped. I was like, this is stressful because it wasn't, you know, it was shipping <laughs> at their time and it didn't work right. with our flow. So it's a good example of that, leaving it a little more open-ended in terms of these unconventional goals allows you the freedom to do it when it works for you and not be pressured by it. So that all, you know, that, you know, that that cooking something three times a week, a new recipe was too much.
1: Yes. And that was a learning experience for you. Three times a week was too much. Once a month worked for you. And, (laughs) And two things I want to say. The first is trying new things is so important. It infuses our life with experience and creates memories for us and our families. It changes it. It gets us out of conundrum and boredom. We generally are people of habit. We eat the same 20 or 40 items. We live the same days. We have the same year after year after year. And that is depressing and creates burnout. And I mean, it's just not what we're here for. So I am a real advocate of living like the biggest, most beautiful, true version of what's possible for you. And so trying new things, learning new things, experiencing, seeing new things is there for the taking? Like, do it. And what, and the second point for you is what you did was by doing one a month and actually doing how many people out there collect recipes and never cook them? Oh, yeah. But you learned the steps of achieving a goal just in every recipe. So you chose the recipe. You made a list of the ingredients. You went out and took the action of buying the ingredients. You came home and unpacked them and then you prepared them and then you ate them and then you assessed how it was. So that's seven steps in an idea that you achieved and you learned the arc of goal achievement just in that recipe goal. It's so great. Yeah. Awesome. And it wasn't a
0: high pressure situation. It was fun. It was enjoyable. I was able to
1: choose when I did that. Yeah. 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 Sunday, Friday, who knows, right? This is an example of why you don't have to roll your eyes at goal setting, why you can embrace what's possible for your life and make a goal for that. And if you need help achieving it, there are people like me and many, many others who can help you achieve it. It it doesn't even have to be a coach. It could just be a a friend or a Facebook support group or a podcast.
0: And I love that you Have some tools though, everyone. We're going to have links to Abby's website, Abby Schiller, S C H I L L E R.com. You can go there. She's got the year you want, which is her one day workshop. That's the goal workshop. It's happening on January 20th. So you can go sign up for that. And then her visioning course. Those are all options for you. I've known Abby for a number of years now. So I'm going to tell you that you're going to enjoy your time with her for sure. And for me, it's also about surrounding yourself with people who are joyful. And this conversation should enlighten you to that in how Abby approaches her work. So if you're looking Aww, for you. a community, a group, or even just a one day to move forward, go check Abby out. And thank I want to thank so you much. so much for coming here today. This was so on point and needed.
1: And you said some really poignant things that got me thinking as well. So- Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, I mean, also, you can follow me on Instagram at Abby Schiller coaching, and I give lots of free tips and tools and reminders there for anybody who might be interested. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad.
0: Awesome. And we'll have links to everything in the show notes. Thank you. And um, everyone, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right, until next time, keep playing the long game.